At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Navigating Divorce by Journey Beyond Divorce on Divorce Horse Radio. I'm Steve Peck. And here's our host, Karen McMahon. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. We're talking today about co-parenting post-divorce. Your settlement has been negotiated and agreed upon. Now it's time to step off the divorce battlefield, take off your coat of armor, and begin the task of co-parenting post-divorce. The good news is that so much of the stress and tension around the negotiations um, begins to melt away, which provides you with the opportunity to be fully present in, in attending to your children's needs. But old habits die hard. So today we're gonna highlight some of the key co-parenting do's and don'ts. You and your ex were unable to cohabitate. You had differences that were so extensive that you were unable to mend your marriage. These differences are undoubtedly going to show up in your co-parenting relationship. And the task and challenge in every situation is putting your children before your need to be right or better. Today's show is intended to help you set yourself on the right path. So with us today is Rosalind Sadaka, who states that typical co-parenting mistakes are so serious that they can negatively impact the rest of your child's life. Rosalind is a divorce and co-parenting coach recognized as the voice of child-centered divorce. And she's the founder of the Child-Centered Divorce Network, which provides valuable resources for parents who are facing moving through or transitioning after divorce. Rosalind's also the author of How Do I Tell the Kids About the Divorce, which is a create a storybook guide to preparing your children with love. So get ready to learn how to have a child-centered co-parenting approach uh, post-divorce, and I'd like to welcome you. I'm so glad to have you here, Rosalind. It's just a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So, Rosalind, you know, you, you have working with people through divorce is a niche in and of itself, and you've even uh, fine-tuned it further to really be about the child-centered approach. Can you tell us what um, what brought you to this focus for your business? Well, not surprisingly, it was my own divorce. My son was 11 when my husband and I split, and I was traumatized about not doing the emotional and psychological damage to him and how to break the news to him and how to do it right, like so many parents. 
But at that time, this was a couple of decades ago, there wasn't a lot of information. There was some about what to say, but not how to say it. And I spent weeks of sleepless nights trying to come up with the right approach to break the news to a, a young man who loved both his father and his mother. And I knew he was going to be devastated by the impact of the divorce. Ultimately, I came up with a, a plan of action, which was unique, something I hadn't seen anywhere. And I used that in breaking the divorce news to my son very successfully. And then my husband and I went through the process of co-parenting him for, into adulthood. And it wasn't until he was in his early 20s that he came to me one day out of the blue and he said, you know, Ma, you and Daddy did a really good job with your divorce. And I just want to thank you because most of my friends whose parents divorced, they either hate their parents or they're very, very angry about things. And I think you and Daddy were great. And I just let out a huge sigh of relief because I was carrying so much guilt for so long about not wanting to screw my son up as a result of the divorce. And that's when I realized that I had something to share with other people. And I founded the Child Centered Divorce Network. I became a divorce and co-parenting coach, wrote How Do I Tell the Kids About the Divorce, and really moved into this area as a passion to help other families avoid serious mistakes so that they can have happy endings. What a great story. And and that just that just must have felt so amazing for you to get that kind of feedback from your son as he entered into adulthood because that's that that makes all of the difference in the world. And it's what I'm hoping for our listeners and everyone else, all of my clients, that's what I want them to have is that sense of accomplishment that I did good. And I think so many people, even when they know that their marriage is uh, irreconcilable, the fear still is uh, hurting the children. And so some people even stay so that they won't hurt the children. And we can touch a little bit on on that because I know you and I are on the same page with the conflict is what hurts them more than the actual uh, process of, of splitting the family. Um, and so I think that it's so important that uh, as listeners that you listen in for uh, where you're struggling the most. There's going to be a lot of tips and suggestions shared and to to just keep that focus um, on your children, which is going to make all of the difference uh, as they go through this process and emerge into adulthood. Before we, you have you have some great tips that we're going to be spending most of the show talking about. But before we get into that, I'm wondering if you could share uh, what some of the most typical challenges are that the parents that you work with face. Like if you could boil it down to the top three, what would they be? Yes. Well, one is the fact that children have strong emotions, just as we do through the divorce. So you're dealing with children's anger or resentment or hatred or, or confusion or anxiety and, and other emotions that, that come boiling to the surface. And as we all know, as adults, we have a lot of trouble handling a lot of those emotions. They're very strong and powerful. For children, it's territory that they're not used to at all and nor are we used to that as parents of the children and so we have to be prepared 
the fact that our children are not going to easily embrace everything and say, oh, this is great, my parents are getting a divorce. So we're going to be coping with a lot of strong emotions from our children. We're going to be coping with a new form of a relationship with our ex. The divorce means we are no longer married. But when you're a parent and you get a divorce, the co-parenting situation is a lifelong experience, or hopefully it should be. And so you need to find your way and find the path that makes the most sense for you in co-parenting your children and remembering that you have to put the parenting first because that's the agreement you made when you took the responsibility of having a child and bring them into the world. So you can't abdicate that responsibility because you're, you're in pain or suffering or hurt. So you need to move on and find a way to co-parent successfully. And you also need to heal yourself. Forgive yourself, learn to forgive your ex, and do a lot of inner personal growth work because your self-esteem can be really battled around through a divorce and its aftermath. And you need to be in a good place, not only to be a strong, competent parent, but also to create and, and attract a new love relationship into your life, to give yourself a future that's something to look forward to and, and joy in your life that you certainly deserve. Those are those are three great tips, and as you're saying them, I, I, you know, the inner work from from my perspective, it's almost like, I, if I could say them in the other order, um, if you don't do that inner work of really understanding your part and how you're triggered and and how you react versus respond then the other two become much more difficult, right? The being able to navigate your kids' emotions if you can't navigate your own and your ability to find that new form of relationship with your ex is going to be much harder if you're still in that unforgiveness, blame, and accusation. So I love those three tips as like a foundation, Rosalind, as we enter into this conversation and as people enter into that post-divorce co-parenting Um Great advice. Thank you. And, and uh, you put it so well, because that really is the essence of it. And it's a, a huge, a huge package to to um, be able to navigate. But it's doable, remembering especially that you're not alone. And I would say not only doable, but, you know, the the focus that we share uh, with our listeners is that it's actually the diamond in the rough. Like the bottom line is out of the ashes of your divorce comes your ability to refine yourself and become more emotionally intelligent, a better parent, more, you know, a better communicator, more confident. And all of that comes from doing the personal work, which then ripples into being a great parent and a really good um, co-parenting partner. Yes, so, I totally agree. So, so you have a bunch of tips here. Let's start looking at what some of them are. Before we get into that, what I want to say, uh, we have a lot of listeners who um, who would describe their divorce as uh, high conflict. 
perhaps with um, complex personalities. And so I just want to be really clear that the tips that we're sharing today and and what we're going to be, you know, guiding you through is for people who are dealing with uh, <laughs> a, a lower conflict, a more standard, I kind of hate using that definition, but like a more standard divorce where you're not dealing with abuse, addiction, personality disorders, and some of the other um, issues that make something high conflict, parental alienation. That's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're exactly. talking about those of you who you didn't get along, you have you know, you have your criticism of the other person. It was definitely not meant to be, but there's there's the mental and emotional ability to um, to focus on the kids, and it may need some personal work. But that's the group we're talking about. And I don't know if you want to add to that definition, Rosalind. Well, that's that's perfectly clear and true. Yes, and and so in most cases, both you and your ex really care about your kids, and you have that mutual connection, and that's. The strength of that alone can help you get through the challenges that that we're facing and talking about. So having said that, uh, let's jump in. One of the first things that you had mentioned, uh, Rosalind, when we were chatting was the issue of fighting around the children. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Um, Study after study has proven that it is conflict itself that does the most emotional psychological damage to children than than anything else. So whether you're in an intact uh, marriage and didn't break up or you're you're in a a separation or divorce, it's the conflict around the children that really harms them emotionally. It scars them. It wounds them. And it, it moves them into a place where they're feeling very insecure and frightened and uh, in an emotional state that you don't want your children in. So that means not fighting around the kids. That means not only where they could see you, but where they could hear you in the other room on the phone. And it's very important to keep the conflict away. In my own life, I remember during the process when um, we were splitting up and and I was moving out of of the house and, and my ex and I were fighting and my son, who was 11, was crying, and my my ex said to me, "Look, look at what you're doing. You're destroying our family. You're destroying this child." And my son stopped and said, "Daddy, I'm not crying because of the divorce. I'm crying because you're fighting. Stop fighting." Wow. And to his credit, that was the last time my my ex and I fought around my my son. We just realized the um, impact it had on him. And he was able to get along fine once we got rid of the anger and the conflict around him in life to the effect that six months later at the end of school at um, the sixth grade graduation, his teacher came up to me and said, I just found out that you and your husband got a divorce this year in the middle of the year. And I'm, I'm just shocked because your son didn't skip a beat at school and he's still a straight A student. And that's very rare. And I, I firmly believe that a lot of that was due to the fact that we were able to keep him out of the emotional turmoil that some children just experience continuously long after the divorce. You know, as you're speaking, I think that's just a great example. And as you're speaking, one of the things that uh, came to mind is 
when you divorce your spouse, you know, you, you, you no longer are engaged with them on a regular basis. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of, you're away from a lot of that tension. And then the thing, thing that brings you back is your children. And so if you engage in a tense way with conflict around the children, then the children's kind of always have that conflict, right? Even though the the husband and wife are removed from it whenever they're not dealing with the kids. And I think that just as you were talking, I was like, wow, for the person who's always uh, finding fault or, or arguing or in conflict, the children find themselves constantly in that conflict. So the divorce actually adds more conflict post-divorce um, than than less. And that is just heartbreaking to think yes. that a child would be in that situation. Absolutely. Now, you know, I'm curious, a lot of the clients I work with can get very caught up in blame and accusation. And, uh, and in order to follow that tip of not fighting around the kids, what is your... What do you advise your clients around the issue of blaming and accusing the other? Yeah, I call it bad-mouthing. And you never want to bad-mouth or disparage your ex to the children because those comments, even when they're subtle, are very hurtful to the children. It's minimizing and it alienates the other parent and it it confuses children. It, It makes them feel guilty for loving their other parent. Mom is saying your, your dad is, is a bad person. He's mean-spirited and I'm loving daddy. Does that make me something wrong with me? And I'm feeling guilty and I can't tell daddy, mommy nice things about times I spent with daddy because I should be ashamed of that. So it becomes very emotionally confusing. It creates doubt within themselves that they can't trust their own feelings and emotions or doubt about what you may think of them and they can't please you for the future. And it it creates a huge problem. And very often parents are just oblivious to it. And also it's subtle things like, oh, you're just like your father, you you did such and such, or that jerk. And, you know, whenever a grandma says something or, or you, your aunt or cousin makes a comment and everyone is in agreement about that jerk, the children are picking up on that. Their antenna are there picking up on, on that. And they may not say anything to you, but they're torn, confused, feeling guilty and bad about themselves. And that creates problems in the future. Absolutely. And I think there's a few things. One is if you're frustrated, that's valid. If you're a parent and you're frustrated with your co-parent, that could be very valid. And we're not suggesting that you not feel those feelings or even communicate them. But the whole concept of communicating them not with an earshot of the children and to people who are your um, your support network and hopefully healthy people who can help you to shift that. Uh, you know, it makes sense that there's going to be frustrating things that happen and disappointing things that happen, but communicating it to the kids or even, and this is such an important part within earshot. So if you're chatting on your phone and your child's in the next room, they're going to hear you and they're going to hear that. And so that's what we're really um, encouraging you to become conscious of. Yes. The other thing, um, to take it even a step further, and this is about 
the parents as opposed to the kids, if you find yourself still in a lot of blame and accusation post-divorce, I just really want to invite you to notice that you're in the problem. You're focusing on the problem and sometimes simply shifting it and saying, well, what's my part? And, um, and what's the solution? And literally getting yourself out of blame and accusation, because I can guarantee you that if you live post-divorce and blame and accusation of your ex, um, that's not only going to harm your children, it's going to have a severely negative impact on your life experience as well. And so um, the way to get out of blame and accusation is really to start noticing your part in the dynamic and also to just step into forgiveness. You know, we're all imperfect and there may be certain things that your um, your ex does with the kids or around the kids that is different than you. And can you let it go? Like how important is it really yes that's very well said so 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 we have um no fighting around the kids um no bad mouthing your ex to the children or around the children um another one you talked about rosalind is turning your children into your confidant can you talk a little bit about that Yes, uh, parents don't understand the consequences of doing that. When you confide adult details in children, it's usually to attract their allegiance or sympathy, get them on your side. And again, it's another way that creates guilt for children and confusion because, they're, one, they're not prepared to handle it. Two, you should never confide adult information in children if it's nothing they can do anything about. And in 99% of the cases, children can't do anything about your romantic relationship problems with your, with your ex. And so all it does is unnecessarily grow them up too soon. It turns them into little adults where they're privy to adult information that they shouldn't have. And it it harms them on a deep emotional, psychological level. We need to confide, obviously, in friends and families, see a therapist, join a support group, see a coach. But you want to keep your kids out of that arena because you're robbing them of their childhood. And once a child steps into being aware of and trying to solve and resolve adult information, they are no longer in their childhood. The innocence that they once had is gone, and suddenly they're thinking about fixing problems that are impossible for them to fix. So all they're doing is being weighted down with a huge emotional burden. And again, parents don't realize that. My own mother, who stayed in the marriage that she was miserable in for her whole life and didn't get a divorce because that in that era it, it wasn't as accepted, and she made all the same mistakes that divorced parents make. And she turned me into her confidant when I was really young, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, always telling me stories about daddy and his family and, and all the mistakes they made and how bad they were. And I felt so guilty because I loved my daddy and I loved my grandma. And I didn't know what to do with that information. It, it churned within me and I know I became a little adult way too soon and became my mother's confidant and her support system when she didn't have anyone else to turn to. You know, I think there's so many opportunities in in these situations to 
actually turn it around and use it for a plus for the children. And, you know, and and I'm curious, I want to ask you a, a few questions on this. And we'll be back with more Journey Beyond Divorce after this. We're there right when you need us the most. And we make sure you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips guiding and supporting you between calls to be more effective. I was very fortunate to find Journey Beyond Divorce. I would go searching for any piece of information that could either A, give me more knowledge about the divorce process itself, or B, could talk me down emotionally. And I found that Journey Beyond Divorce was really instrumental in providing both things. One, the guidance of the divorce process itself, as well as talking about self-maintenance and what does the individual need to do to kind of cope with it. Let us help you gain a broader perspective and determine your best next steps with our free Rapid Relief Lifeline call. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. What do you advise the parent you're coaching if the if the other parent the co-parent the ex is actually sharing a lot of information and then the child is coming to your client and saying yeah but what about this and what about this and what about this because i think that that's something that people face often and they don't even if their intention is is good they don't know what to do with that yes absolutely and that's a very good question Uh, One, I would suggest that the parents have a dialogue and and say, you know, little little Susie is coming to me and telling me things that you told her. And this is hurtful for Susie. When you have conversations with your ex, it's always important to focus on the children because they don't care about you necessarily. They may dislike you. And anything about your feelings is not going to get a lot of validity for them. But if you're talking about the impact on the children that hopefully you both love and care about, you may be able to make some impact and say, I've read a lot of articles uh, about this topic and that it's harmful for children. It, It keeps them from enjoying their childhood when they're thinking about fixing adult problems. It's inappropriate. Can, can we talk? Can you talk to, to a therapist or join a group or do something else? Because I'm worried about our child. It doesn't always work. We can't always change anyone in our lives, and especially an, uh, an ex. But it certainly is, is a way to begin to remind them of the fact that they're negatively impacting the child. And one of the best ways to remember that is to put yourself in your child's shoes and remind your ex to do that. Because if you put yourself in the shoes of a five-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 15-year-old, The world looks very, very different than it does to an adult, and you need to be seeing it and understanding it from that perspective because they don't have the cognitive abilities, they don't have the reasoning abilities and the emotional abilities to remove themselves from from the pain that that they're being inflicted with, and we we don't want them to have to even begin to cope with that. And and I think that what would be really valuable if you find yourself running into these kinds of situations is to 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 create an agreement 
if you can with your ex and and literally put it on paper and you'll end up having a list of agreements and you can kind of go back to those. And so I think that's a great suggestion. Uh, what about the child? What do you say to the child who comes and says, you know, mommy told me X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z. And I want, I want to know what your side is. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you really want to talk directly to the child and say, you know, mommy and daddy have issues that happened long before you were even born. And this is between mommy and daddy. So let us work it out. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not your responsibility. You're not to blame in any way because of this. Even if we're fighting about the children, it's never their fault. And so we want to let them know that mommy and daddy are going to talk about this and work about this and you can let it go. Okay. And get back to playing and having, having a good life. That's what we both want for you. And keep reminding them whenever they start bringing up adult information to, to let it go because mommy and daddy are working on it. And if they get a sense of security that the parents are taking care of things, they can let it go. But if they see you not making any shifts and, and they're coping with such immaturity with their parents, they're very much likely to stay in parenting their parents, which becomes a huge a huge emotional problem and burden for them. Right, and has a ripple effect into their own intimate relationships as they get older too, so it, it doesn't go away. Um, what about, I, I just want to stop for a second because as I'm listening to you speak, it sounds like you're kind of speaking about grade school kids, and yet... Um, what's the comment on middle school, high school, even entering college and, and how you deal with um, all those issues around older children? Yes, and that's a very good good question. The, the reality is we have to use age-appropriate language, obviously, so we could talk in more sophisticated levels in middle school and high school and college, but... We too often think that because our kids are teenagers that they're, they're little adults and they get things that they don't. Uh, studies have proven that the um, brain development doesn't really get finalized until about age 24, 25. And so when you're talking even to an 18-year-old, they do not have the ability to grasp the complexity of the adult issues that we're dealing with. So remember that that's why we, the rule is usually you don't want to turn your child into a confidant and give them information that they can't handle or do anything about. So if it's not appropriate for them to do anything about it, they shouldn't be involved in it. And we don't want to step on their childhood. And and that's especially so for teens, because that's the age group when we just assume that they get it. They understand. We could talk to them about affairs and things like that. They may be having sex themselves, but it's far more complicated. And we want to protect our children from emotional scars that aren't theirs, that they don't own, that they didn't cause, and that they certainly can't um, fix for us. Yeah, and I think when... when um when a parent follows the the tips and guidelines that you're putting out, Rosalind, the other the beautiful thing that happens is you start building 
um, this level of trust with your child where they can come and they can talk and they can ask and it's safe. And when I say safe, I mean like it's emotionally safe. They don't have to step into the parent role. They don't have to worry about the how-to or the when or the details of it. And they can come to us and have... um, have age-appropriate conversations, get some of their questions answered, get their concerns heard and addressed without that worry of the other parent being bashed or them getting information that, that they really aren't equipped to handle. Yes, that's that's the difference between a family where you have emotionally responsible adults who are running the show, married or, or divorced, who, who are understanding their responsibility towards their children's children's safety has to come first safety and security. And you definitely want to remember that you are the role model for them. They're picking up watching and learning from everything you do. So how can we be teaching our children about integrity and ethics and, and coping with conflict and handling um, issues and challenges in life and then behaving in totally different ways showing them behavior that's embarrassing or childlike or immature or or hurtful to um, their other parent. Those are the real lessons they learn and get, and those are the ones that impact them on a deep emotional level. And when you're when you're um, when you're in that place, when you've done your own inner work and you're able to set those boundaries, the other thing is that there is that ripple effect of then teaching your children what you've learned. And so if there's a parent who's kind of breaking boundaries and sharing information that's stressing your child out, you actually have the opportunity to teach them how to communicate that that doesn't work for them, that how to set a boundary, how to do it nicely. I used to always say to my kids, say what you mean, but don't say it mean, like you're allowed to set boundaries, just do it respectfully. And so there's a whole host of um, gifts that come out of this uh, figuring out how to co-parent if you can keep your focus on the children. And that's so well said, and that's really the key, is that when you take the high road, sometimes it seems like this is ridiculous because my my ex is just misbehaving and bashing me and doing all kinds of things, and I'm supposed to be acting responsibly and mature. That's crazy. But children pick up on that. They watch, they learn, and they may not say anything to you when they're 12, but very often when they're grown, they're going to come to you and, and let you know how they felt about the way you handle, you handled the divorce. And that's when you realize that they respected seeing you behave in a responsible, mature way. They respected what you said or didn't say, how you said it. And they, they learned from you as a role model. And that is the most important role we really have as parents. That's what we're doing and our kids are picking up on it. They may be too young to be expressing it for a, a long time, but it's there and it's in there. And you want to be able to have a sigh of relief when they're grown adults and know that you gave them the very best that you could. Absolutely. You know, I have my I I have two kids, uh, 19 and 21 now. And my daughter, 19 year old, came to me about a year ago and she said, um, I am so sorry. I always, 
I always believed everything dad said. And I just want to let you know that, you know, I so appreciate the way you spoke to me and guided me. And, um, and it was for years, I was the bad guy. And I, I definitely, you know, just FYI, I'm more in the high conflict. But nonetheless, I was the bad guy. There was a lot of stuff that was shared. And each step of the way, it was so hard to not defend myself and to not, you know, present my proof and my information. And yet it wasn't at all what the kids needed. And so, you know, that and we'll talk more about that in high conflict. But even in standard, if you find yourself uh, facing that, you know, this is where we have to swallow our pride. We have to bite our tongue. We have to say, is is what I'm about to do Um enhancing uh, my my child's experience and my relationship with them or is it damaging it and that's that's going to be a guide that helps you um, in those prickly moments yes I totally agree with that and it's wonderful for our listeners to hear your story to realize that yes you do have to be patient and it's not going to happen tomorrow but your kids are going to look up to you and respect you and and very often turn and and change their whole feelings as they mature and understand the reality of what was going on during that time. And the fact that you didn't fill them with bitterness, but just held your place with dignity, it it impacts them in in a wonderful way. So thank you for being that, that parent and that role model for them. There's a very good question that I like to share with my clients that's helpful. It's a simple question, but it really has profound consequences. And that's to ask yourself, whenever a parenting issue comes along where you and your ex have to make some decision about something, to, to ask yourself, would we be making the same parenting decision or would I be making the same parenting decision if we were still married? If we were still married. Because the more the decisions would be the same as if we were still married, those are the parenting decisions that really have to do with parenting issues. When you change the decision you would have made and now you're making a different one because you're so angry at him or her, you're so angry at your ex for for doing something and so you're going to hurt them or, or be resentful or, or create more complications in their lives, that's when you're getting off target of being a pure parent and you're moving into the emotional craziness that is not setting a good example for the kids. Yeah, that's that's so true. You mentioned just a little bit uh, ago about um, reminding the kids, like constantly telling the children that it's not their fault. Uh, you know, yeah. you hear that in the beginning, Rosalind. It's like, you know, when you tell the kids you're getting divorced, make sure that, you know, you let them know that you both love them and, and this. But here we are talking about co-parenting post-divorce and you're bringing it up. And so uh, how often, what, like, give us a little bit more around that. Just, it's, it's important to realize that children are innately narcissistic. The world revolves around them. And they don't have the capacity to really understand other people's feelings. And especially the younger they are, the more that's so. And so it, children will naturally feel that maybe if I wasn't such a bad little girl 
last month, or maybe if I didn't get a, a D in my report card or, or some other issue that came up, maybe mommy and daddy wouldn't be getting a divorce. And even when you're dealing with teenagers, there's a tendency to kind of blame you. They could be fighting about you and discipline issues and disagreeing. And you say, you know, all of this is happening because of me. It's not because of, of the children. It's because of how mom and dad are handling or not handling their relationship. And so when it comes up in appropriate times, you just want to remind them in a way that's comfortable for you and for them that they're not to blame, even when it may appear that it that this is about them. It, they're not the cause of the divorce. The divorce has to do with mom and dad issues that are very complicated. They're adult issues, and it's not your fault. And the more kids just remember and realize that, the less they're able to to abuse themselves or get angry at themselves and, and feel the burden of responsibility, which is huge on a child. How do you undo the responsibility of causing your parents' divorce? Yeah, that's enormous. When I, as you were speaking, I, I am also, um, I, I was 14 when my parents separated. And I remember, um, and I was always getting grounded during that period of time. It was just my mom's thing was like, you're grounded for the rest of your life. <laughs> and uh, and one, one day, my aunt came to visit. And I remember her saying to me, you need to start just being better. You're you're making this so much worse for your mother and like this whole like thing. And I remember going into some corner of the house and just exactly what you just did, like what you just said. I just felt like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm creating all these problems and I'm the cause of all of this and I'm why mom's so stressed and dad's leaving. And it was just this like enormous burden and the interesting thing looking back is there was no child-centered divorce concept back then it's like your mother is getting a divorce and she's having a really hard time so stop being such a bad kid because you're making it worse for her exactly and you and i have an emotional impact that's lasting with us decades later we still feel the pain of that experience it's visceral and it stays with children it stays with adults and so we want to give our children the blessing of having the best possible childhood, despite whatever reality is. And I firmly believe it's not divorce itself that harms children. It's the way the parents handle the divorce that does all the scarring. So if we can be responsible and try to tiptoe around some of these mistakes and avoid them, we can give our kids a wonderful experience. And some children do far better as a result of divorce because they're out of the tension. They're out of the craziness. They're with a happier mom, a happier dad, and their lives actually improve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's. We've got a few more here. Uh, don't use your kids as a messenger or a spy. What's that about? Well, that turns them into little adults. Suddenly, we're giving them the responsibility, even as simple a message as tell daddy to pick you up at 7.30 and not 8, as, as we discussed last week. Well, there's a chance that the child, no matter what age a child is, is going to forget it or screw up the message. And then suddenly, it's the fault of the child. You, you don't want to be laying burdens on kids that aren't kid responsible. And we also don't want to interrogate our children. It's so tempting, especially once you get into the co-parenting mode, to find out 
about daddy's girlfriend and where mommy took you and what you had for dinner. And it's part of normal conversation to ask some of those things. But sometimes kids get interrogated and they get very uncomfortable because they know behind the interrogation is finding out a little more about mom's boyfriend and finding out a little more about how much drinking dad did. And so they start um, defending and, and telling white lies and not not telling the truth and holding back. And again, that's where the emotional damage does. The kids have to be thinking and manipulating around between the parents as if it's their responsibility to be handling this minefield of emotions between the parents. So if, if we don't do that, we're getting our kids off the hook and we're able to handle things with the support system that adults need to help adults through these situations. And really, it's not until our children are young adults themselves where they can begin to interact on various topics direct with mom and dad. I mean, it really does go through their entire childhood into emerging adulthood before um, before that switches over, in which case you can say, you know, you, you can go direct to dad and talk to him about that. And, and there is no more in between. And I think that, that the key is to know straight through um, those years, like straight through college until they're on their own, where they're really direct with each parent that you should not put them in the middle at all. Exactly. And it remember that it creates guilt and anxiety and fear and stress and shame and so many complex emotions in children that parents can be oblivious about because we think we're asking a simple favor or a simple question and we're not aware of the impact it has on kids because our kids are trying to protect us. They will not candidly share with us what they're feeling or what they're trying to do to protect us because they know you don't want to hear things about that. So they have to start making up stories, yep. tiptoeing around, walking on eggshells. And suddenly they're carrying this a, a huge emotional burden on their shoulders. And we're oblivious of the fact that we even put them in that position. Yeah, you know, and I think throughout this, this entire list, Rosalind, is just this concept of we want you as parents, uh, co-parents post-divorce, to raise your level of awareness around what you say, what you do, when you say it, how you do it, so that you're keenly aware of the impact it's having on your kids. And, you know, yes. we all love our kids and we don't want to hurt them. And so very often I think that a lot of these mistakes are made because people aren't, they're, they're just, their focus isn't there. They're not even aware to be aware. And so if you're listening, this is your, this is, it's a wake up call. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, a, an invitation to a higher level of consciousness around everything that you do with your children and the impact anything involving your ex and you have to have on your children. Yes. And that, that's just vitally important at all age levels. It doesn't change just because you've got a 16 year old at home. Yeah, and in fact, there's so much emotional turmoil for the teenagers, yes. all the more so that they've, exactly. they've got a whole new world that they're dealing with, with peer pressure and hormones and, you know, worrying about leaving high school and going into college. Like the last thing that you need that that, that children, teenagers that age need is that addition of um 
being on guard and, you know, being the parent. Yes. And that's the key word. Parenting your parents. That's what happens when we fail. Our children step up to parenting their parents. And the moment they do that, they lose their childhood forever. Yeah, that's that's very well said. So one of the things you mentioned is um, that there are tools that co-parents can use. And I know we've done a show on that in the past as well. What kind of tools are you talking about? Well, one of the most prevalent tools are um, scheduling tools for co-parents that are uh, available online. And there's a variety of them. One that I, that's new that I like is smartcoparent.com. These tools range from free to about $100 a year, depending on the variety of, of um, features that they have. They're, they're apps that you can download. But what they do is reduce the conflict because they put more and more information into little boxes and little places. So you have detailed calendar scheduling. And if something happens and you have to change and pick up a half an hour later, then you just change it there and your ex knows to right before they get in the car to look in the calendar to see if everything is still the same. It also has medical information for the kids and the size shoes they wear and the this, this sporting team information. So whatever everyone needs can be found, including if you're dealing with attorneys or mediators or therapists or other professionals who want to be peeking in. And when you know that there's other people who are professionals who may be peeking into the communication, it usually helps you keep the communication at a more professional, clear, uh, responsible level so that you're talking to each other as co-parents. You're really working as co of founders of the corporation of raising our children together. And you want to keep it as professional and businesslike as possible and move the emotions out of that relationship. So these uh, scheduling tools um, really help you do that. And they're very, very dependable to, um, for some people, just getting on the phone together immediately moves you into conflict. Suddenly you start talking about picking Johnny up at school tomorrow at three and in five seconds you're talking about last Tuesday when you said this and I said that and, and suddenly there's a blow up. And so those blow ups can get eliminated by using the tools that just keep the interactions at a minimum and show you that there are ways of communicating in, in, a, in a mature way that's going to minimize battles. Yeah, you know, I had a I had a client who um, she was a little ADD and she was an external processor. And so every time she opened her mouth and started talking, her soon to be ex assumed that she was professing her decisions and opinions, but she was just processing. And I had suggested one of these online tools because I thought she can process someplace else. And then when she actually puts it down, he can know that that's exactly, you know, that's the decision that she came to. So that's the schedule or that's the information or what have you. And I, I agree with you so much on this front. And we so strongly recommend that if, if, you, if you're dealing with any difficulties, if it's not super smooth, check out, um, check out these online co-parenting uh, tools because they allow you to communicate via 
through them via email, text, scheduling, finances, so many different things. And what it does is it it um, it eliminates a lot of the need to engage with the other person, which if that's a problem for you, the less engagement, the less conflict, better for the children. And it uh, simplifies and- the finances and a lot of other issues. Yeah, it's just it's really it's it's well worth looking into. So I didn't know about smart um, coparent.com. That's a new one that um, recently came out that's um, free or very low cost. And um, there are many you could, you know, you could compare and, and find one that works for you. But it's definitely a good resource to have. And again, it keeps the kids out of the equation more when you're able to get answers to questions quickly yourselves. Right. I think we have a show, if you want to look it up, we did a show with the founder of Our Family Wizard. And I think the other one that's um, fairly popular, is it called Two Homes, Rosalind? Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twohomes.com. Yes. So, so yeah, if you just Google it, you'll be able to check out a couple of different ones and see what works for you. And that's, that's a great suggestion. Um you know, there's the question of when should we show up together? I mean, we're divorced and the, the I know that when I was getting divorced, it was really made clear that um, that gray areas aren't good for the kids. Right. So it's really important that um, that that you be crystal clear. And so you don't want to raise their hopes. And yet here we are post-divorce. And there might be graduations or birthdays or other celebrations. So what's the guideline and the rule for uh, when you would show up with your ex uh, for the sake of your kids? And that's going to depend on your relationship with your ex and how your kids feel about it. Some kids would rather avoid having mom and dad in the same place because mom and dad are so embarrassing to be around together. They, they would prefer it doesn't happen. For other kids, it's the greatest treat that a few times a year mom and dad are together for, for Christmas Eve or, or our birthday or something else. And that's a very special occasion. So if you know it's special for your kids and if you could step up to being mature, it's a wonderful gift to give them. It's a wonderful treat. If you know you can't behave appropriately, then don't be there because the worst thing you could do is is start a battle, embarrass your kids, shame your kids, guilt your kids, make them feel bad and that that they have to deal with with parents who can't get together. It's it's such a blessing to be at graduations and special sporting events and, and other special occasions and the certain holidays. So what I'm hearing you say as we summarize this part on when should we show up together is two things. One is listen to what your children are requesting. And second, be aware of what you're capable of. So if your children or child wants you to be there, but you're not capable of behaving in a way that doesn't involve conflict, then then don't show up. And if you can show up, then use their desire as a guide. Is that did I yes, catch that I, right? I think that that's very well put. You know, it it's you have to think ahead and realize that um, hopefully you're going to have children that are going to have wonderful occasions to celebrate, including weddings and grandchildren and other things along those lines. And it's a blessing in your life to be able to be there and give them both parents. But if it's not a possibility, then you want to make the most mature decisions that you can make, always thinking about how it's going to impact your children emotionally. 
So we've we've gone through a number of things. We talked a little bit earlier about behaving responsibly, and and you also mentioned um, acting as a role model, how to handle things when life gets difficult. Let's wrap up with that one. Like, how can a parent's behavior have a ripple effect in a positive way for their child? Well, we we did mention some wonderful examples earlier. It's Children watch us. They may not always say something, but they're learning from us from the earliest age and especially through in adolescence and teen years. And one of the greatest challenges in life is getting through something like a divorce. And so showing them how you behave despite whatever is going on with your ex is going to show them a role model of maturity because life is going to be full of challenges. It may not be a divorce for them, but it's their challenges happen. And we need to show them that it's mature to be able to step up, be flexible, be cooperative, and engage with other people even when we don't like the situation we're in. And that's going to be teaching them tremendous lessons that, that they need in life. So the, the divorce and your behavior as, as a parent from now on can be a, a wonderful gift to them in showing them how to cope as an adult in life. You have nothing to apologize for if you're handling the divorce with that level of emotional integrity. It's when you move yourself into an immature level and you give up the parenting role and, and have your children step in to parent you, that, that's when you're absconding. So there's a few questions that I always want to remind parents to ask themselves because these questions just keep you on track. And the first one is, do I love my children more than I may hate or dislike my ex? Do I love my children more than I may dislike my ex? And if you ask yourself that before you make any decisions, it's going to keep you in the right vein of reminding you who who and what is most important, and that is your children. When you put that first, the other decisions will fall into place. And the other question that I think is vitally important to ask yourself today is how will my children feel about the way I handle the divorce when they're grown adults? What are they going to say to me about it? How are they going to hold me accountable for it? If you think about it now, you're not going to take the liberties of being manipulative or, or lying or, or um, alienating your children from the other parent or doing things that really are reprehensible that you could get away with when they're younger because you realize that you have to be accountable because they will hold you accountable when they are older. So start now and ask yourself about that, and that'll set you on a path towards having the best, most successful child-centered divorce. You know, and I think that I'd like to just speak to those parents who might be listening and hearing um, a lot of behaviors we're recommending you not do. And if you have been doing them and you've really been struggling, uh, that's that's when you enlist the support of a therapist or a coach like Rosalind or myself, where you actually use this opportunity to take a look at, you know, where are your shortcomings? It's going to have to do with the family of origin you grew up with, with the way your parents dealt with conflict. And so if you're not where you want to be, it doesn't make you bad, uh, but it does point out 
a huge area where you can grow. And you growing in this area is not only going to be beautiful for you, um, but for your children and for all of your relationships as you go forward. And so I really encourage you, if you're listening and you're thinking, wow, I've missed the mark on a bunch of these things, reach out and get the support that you need so that you can turn it around and so that you can be the best parent possible and the best co-parent for your children. And can I add something to that? Because that's excellent advice. One other thing I would say is that Children, again, are learning from you. It is so enlightening for a child to have a parent sit down, look them in the eye and say, you know, I really made a mistake when I said such and such or when I did such and such. And I apologize. I didn't realize at the time it was going to be so hurtful for you. I learned my lesson and I won't do that again. When children hear that from a parent that that they are human beings, that they are vulnerable and that they have the ability to learn and change, it gives them permission to learn and change as well. And that is a wonderful gift. So it's never, ever too late to undo anything and make it right. Yeah, that was really well said. Thank you for that, Roslyn. So how can our listeners find you and learn more about what you have to offer? Well, thank you. Um, If they visit childcenteredivorce.com, There is a wealth of information there, articles, advice, tips, blog posts, interviews, and I have courses and programs on co-parenting, whether it's an audio coaching program or whether you prefer reading the information, it's all there, as well as a book on breaking the divorce news to children. And I have a free book that's available to everyone who's listening called Post-Divorce Parenting, Success Strategies for Getting It Right. And if you go to childcenteredivorce.com, right on the home page, just enter your email address and you could download it immediately. And it's filled of, with advice along these lines that'll, that'll get you on the right course. So definitely that sounds priceless. So if you're listening in, you know, jump over there and definitely get yourself that that free ebook and uh, and it'll it, it'll probably cover a lot of the things we talked about so it'll be a great reminder for you as well. And then of course I do coaching personal coaching services by phone or Skype anywhere in the world. So that's something that I can do for, for to unravel specific issues that are that are creating challenges in your life. Yeah, so, you know, I picked you, Rosalyn, because I know you're just one of the the premier people out there in the child-centered arena around divorce. And so I really just, I thank you for your time. This has been very enlightening. It's been really thorough. And, um, and I really appreciate you spending the time and speaking to our listeners. And uh, this will, um, this is just going to help so many people. Thank you, Karen. I I have tremendous respect for you and the work you're doing i feel we're very in align alignment with our messages and so i i think we are speaking the same language to people and if 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 they want to really give their children the best possible future then any any of this advice is going to set them on the right course excellent and for those of you listening um 
As we said earlier, today's show was largely focused on your standard divorce. We understand that high conflict divorces are a world unto themselves. Not everyone can have a child-centered divorce, if, especially if one spouse is very much uh, not in that uh, mindset. And so when these rules don't apply what do you do and that's what our next show is going to be speaking about when you're dealing with mental health issues addictions abuse how do you co-parent and actually the term that is often used is parallel parenting and so we'll be addressing that in our next show thanks again Rosalind. great having you thank you so much At Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking being and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce our gift to you is taking that first step with you on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call.